All right, everybody. Hey, it's Big Daddy. And, uh, you know, as always on Big Daddy and Friends, I love to have, you know, my friends, my colleagues, my associates, you know, yeah, I have clients in the world of sports entertainment, but I don't, I, I consider all these people all my friends. And the ones that come on here are dear to my heart, especially this next guest, because we have a lot of history together. We've been friends for, I think over 20 years now, you know, and uh, she, I've seen her climb uh, up the ladder and now she's uh, at ESPN talking football, her favorite game. So without further ado, let's everyone say hi to Michelle Beisner Buck. Oh, hello. Wait, I'm waiting for everyone to say hi to me, Big Daddy. Everyone say hi. Everyone, everyone, say hi. everyone all the viewers, all the listeners, everybody. That's right. We have been friends for over 20 years. If I'm, if math serves me correct, we met when I was an NFL cheerleader for the Denver Broncos through another NFL cheerleader for the Denver Broncos and a close friend of mine, Fatima Egan. Yep. You were selling at the time Big Daddy gear. There it is. There it is. I have left. <laughs> At the time, it was, I think that you handed me, and you're going to have to help me with this. Did we, did we meet on the sidelines of a game in Denver? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back even further. I know exactly where we met and when. Okay, you, go. you were at the Pro Bowl. Okay. Yeah. And, we, and remember, we were all on that part uh, that that uh, I think it was a like battleship or something. And, yeah. And the party got ruined because all of a sudden this monsoon came running through, and uh, and yeah, we met because of Fatima working with Peter Schaefer. That's right. Who I did business with, so it was kind of funny how that whole thing, uh, how our friendship started, and uh, it just blossomed from there. So. That's right. So that was 1999. Now I'm really dating myself. So that was over 20 years ago. Right. I was the Pro Bowl representative for the Broncos. We had just come off. The Broncos had a back-to-back. -back, that was their Super Bowl 33 victory over the Atlanta Falcons. So what a, I mean, look, what a year for me as an NFL cheerleader to go Super Bowl 32 in San Diego. The Broncos win that world mm -hmm. championship. They got that Lombardi. Then we go back. Super Bowl is in Miami. We win that Super Bowl. I go straight from Miami to Honolulu to be the Pro Bowl representative for the Broncos, and I meet you. I mean, is that the best year of my life or what? <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good year. It's a lot of trophies. <laughs> that is a lot of trophies. Uh, and, lot. I can say that, and I can say, you know what, the same thing, because uh, our friendship has been so long. It's blossomed. It's you know, we've been there for each other, you uh, ups and downs and, you know, uh, ideas and this and that and all these other things. I mean, we could we could probably do a, a four hour show on everything that you and I have done uh, together and hung out and friends and, you know, all. I mean, it's for it's and nights out in New York. Yeah, I mean, we could we could cover it all. But I don't think the people want to hear that. I, I don't think the people want to tune in for four hours of Big Daddy and Michelle. Yeah. Maybe they do. Maybe we should take a poll. You should take a poll. <laughs> yeah, you know what? At the end, we're going to ask everybody to send us a message. There you go. And uh, if they come back with a, a high volume, then we're going to have to jam it up and get in here and uh, 
and extend the uh, Big Daddy and Friends podcast. I'm in. Count me in for that. So, but anyway, so for all the viewers and listeners that, uh, you know, don't know, give a little bit of uh, your background. Just give the Reader Digest, Reader's Digest version of... Uh, oh, the boring version? No. Well, you know, we... Uh, we got a lot of rights and everything. So, uh, yeah, the politically correct version, we'll say. Yeah. So, you said it in the intro. I am at ESPN. I've been there for seven years as a feature reporter for Sunday and now Monday Night Countdown. I've, I've primarily done features for Monday Night Countdown for our Monday Night Countdown pregame show for the last five years. Um, so, every that's a two hour show on Monday nights from six to eight before the game starts, before kickoff. And I've got about, depending on what the subject matter is, depending on what we're doing, it's about a five to seven minute long format feature story. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, prior to that, I was at NFL Network for seven years where I was a general field reporter and basically had a bag packed at the door. I mean, and was on call 24 seven. I, I, I can't even, Big Daddy, I can't even tell you, and you know this, but I was living in LA at the time I would work overnight news shifts, and then I would also turn around, sleep for a few hours, and have a bag packed at the door because I, I would then go from, I would shift gears and then go to covering the NFC West and AFC West. I would get calls from my coordinating producer, get on a plane in an hour, you're going to San Francisco, you've got to do the presser with Colin Kaepernick, which by the way was painful. Um, only because he doesn't say anything. Um, but as, as you probably know, I mean, it, it was tough to put, it was tough to put a package together when you got Colin Kaepernick as your, as your main kind of sound for your package. But yeah, I, I made the leap, uh, from NFL network over to ESPN seven years ago and, um, we'll see, we'll see what's going to happen in 2021 <clears throat> with COVID and whatnot. If we're going to go back to live presence at the games if we're going to kind of continue on storytelling the way that we did it this past season, um, this, this last year, as you can attest to, I mean, it obviously was very unique for a million reasons, but in the sports mm -hmm. world, especially it was, it was crazy. Well, it was, yeah, listen, uh, I, the, I didn't go to any games this year. I did not go to a Super Bowl. I look right now. I'd probably be coming home from the combine. Yep. But I haven't done I haven't done a thing. A yeah. thing. Everything has been the the new world that we're in, which is Zooms and phone calls and emails. And uh, so that's been, even with the stuff I do at uh, Fox, you know, no one goes into the studio. You know, in the mornings on Fox and Friends, there's no curvy couch anymore. Everybody's kind of broken up and, and it's a Zoom. So uh, it is definitely, definitely a different world that we are living in. And and uh, I love that things are starting to, uh, you know, the vaccines out there and people are starting to, uh, I mean, I don't think there's ever going to be a normal for a while, but right. things are going to open up and, uh, and, you know, sports is such a big thing. It, it has to come back in a, in a, in a grander form, you know, meaning, you know, you got a uh, Bob Papa. I had on Bob the other day. And uh, and Bob said, you know, Big Daddy, I'll tell you the funniest thing ever is you can't go down on the field. 
you know, you walk into the stadium, you got to go right up to the press box and, and, and you're stuck there. And then you get, you're finished. The game's over and you go home. That's right. No interaction. There's no nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, but on the flip side of that, and, and I, I, I can so relate to that because Joe has told me the same kind of stories, his schedule every week going to a game. First of all, they got COVID tests twice a week. Um, then he then he gets on the plane, flies to the game, gets to the hotel. They can't leave the hotel room, goes to the game. They're obviously kind of taken a, a very special route through the stadium to avoid as many people as possible. They do the game. They get back to the hotel or just get back on a plane and they go. I mean, it. I think the hardest thing, I did go to one game. I went to the divisional round, the NFC divisional round mm-hmm. game with, between the Saints and the Patriots. And and there were some fans in the stands, and they are, and they do pump some, you know, some obviously crowd noise through it. But it's, it's so, it's so weird. It's, it's just not right. And, and so, yes, I hope that we can get to a place with restaurants opening, with, Texas basically opening its entire state and burning masks <laughs> yesterday. It's, it's okay. Well, let's get back to it. I think we'll get there. I, I do think though, on the flip side of that and for how awkward it was, we were able to do things. We were able to tell stories that we would have never been able to do or, or have access to people for because of COVID. You think about this. For instance, we did this walk, kind of a walk down memory lane, a look back at Super Bowl 42 through eyes of celebrities and super fans. So we talked to, this is in one day via Zoom. We talked to Lenny Clark. We talked to Tracy Morgan. Mm -hmm. We talked to Peter Berg. Tracy is in New York. Lenny Clark is in Boston. Peter Berg is in LA. We did that in one day and then talked to different fans who were in, who can just recall it from their point of view, being at the game in New York and New England. We were able to bust out 10 interviews in one day. And I didn't Now my butt was sore because I was sitting in a chair all damn day. (laughs) There's no way logistically or even from a budgetary standpoint that we're able to execute that kind of a feature under normal circumstances. So there's some good things about it from my point of view, from the job and, you know, the position that I hold at ESPN. Mm-hmm. It actually gives us more access and better opportunity. It's kind of, I mean, it was really kind of cool. Well, I remember that Super Bowl because uh, that I was there. It was a lot of fun. It was a great <laughs> win. It was, it was very awkward for me being, <laughs> you know, in the middle, as you could see. I got number 12 behind me here, and, uh, you know, I go back with him from his college days. But, uh, you know, my Giants are my Giants. And uh, and then I flew to Hawaii the next morning uh, after that. For the, That was the last Pro Bowl, I believe, that was in Hawaii. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, so, uh, boy, do I miss that place. Nothing beats the Ihalani and, you know, just uh, – look, the travel part stinks – but when you get there, that it, it's like it, it, like they say, it is paradise. I mean, you know, I think that the Pro Bowl has taken such a dip in regards to guys wanting to go and 
And, you know, listen, you can go to Vegas, you can go to Orlando, you can do all these other places whenever you want. You know, Hawaii was a special thing, a special yeah. thing, you know. You know, and I actually, I said I think you're right, but I stand corrected. I think you're wrong. Here's why. I think the last year that they were in Hawaii was 2013 because remember, I was there. Remember they did that draft? They drafted players to the team, and oh, I, was yeah, yeah, yeah. I was interviewing these guys that were waiting to get drafted. A Philip Rivers, who's been sitting there as a pro bowler, and now has to go through a mock draft with his teammates. And these guys were, and it, it, this went on for hours. And these guys were just—I mean, they were so over it, and I felt so bad for them. <laughs> but I think that was it. I think that was the last year that it was there. But you're right; I, I miss it. I miss all that that stuff. Yeah, that was a lot of fun and everything that went with it. I mean, but anyway, you know, I guess sometimes they say uh, they're correct when they say good things sometimes come to an end. That was a good thing that unfortunately came to an end, and I wish they would revisit it, but uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's a good memory. But anyway, so let's talk a little football real quick. Let's talk about you Broncos, all right? Okay. You know, I, I say the same thing when I get asked about the Giants. I'm like, Ugh, um, I bite my tongue. Who do you think should be the quarterback next year? Who would you like to see as the quarterback next year? I don't know that this is going to be a popular. Well, I I think Drew Locke should be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, listen, the offseason is always so interesting, especially the quarterback carousel and the different transactions and movements, et cetera, et cetera. But I do like Drew. Do you like Drew? I do like him. I think he just needs, you know, he's like every other quarterback. When they get a hit a hundred times, they're going to break. You know, there's injuries, and and right. you got to block for these guys. A lot of everybody says, "Oh, if Tom Brady was here, no, if Tom Brady was behind that line, Tom Brady would have retired five years ago." You know, there's a lot to say when people, especially people that don't understand the game. They, they look at it as, oh, he's not uh, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you can't stand in the pocket, how do you throw the ball? That's right. And that's what I was going to say. I don't think that's the question. I think the question is how and who and when are we going to beef up the offensive line and make sure that our that quarterback, whoever that quarterback is, is protected? What are they going to do in the draft? What, you know, I think, I think Drew Locke has the leadership qualities and the ability to grow, but he's got to have the right people around him to protect him and to keep him upright. The problem in Denver, really, from an organizational standpoint, is what's going on with ownership there. Is the debacle and kind of the mess that's happening within the organization as far as ownership rights with the Bolin family and the mess that is kind of, you know, it's getting messier by the day with the family suing each other. They've got to, they've got to get their, they've got to get their foundation laid properly and sound so that they can actually, you know, it all starts at the top as we know. Yeah. So when you're crumbling from the top down, it just, it, the trickle down effect, it's, there's no way to avoid it. So, 
Go ahead. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no. That, I mean, that's that's really it. I think they've got to address the O-line. I think they've got to really figure out what they're doing from a management and executive standpoint. I know they hired the new GM, and I think that's great. I think Von Miller is a question mark. Um, you know, but I think the O-line in the draft has to be their priority, no matter who's quarterback. Got it. I, I know the ownership thing's a sticky situation. It's come up. It's come across my desk, actually, because, you know, there's some potential suitors that are out there that are looking, and uh, yeah. without naming anybody, I kind of know one of them. And uh, it's, you know, hey, Big Daddy, who do you know there, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, okay, well, everyone always says I want to own a team, but they don't realize that it's not you're buying something for peanuts. You're paying a lot of money, and you also have to be approved. You know, you got to be voted in. It just doesn't happen. You can have all the money in the world, but if you're not uh, voted in, you're not going to get a team. Big Daddy, do you agree with what I'm saying in Denver, or do you have any other thoughts? No, I do agree. I agree that you you can't have a guy back there if you don't have anyone blocking for him. So right. I think that's uh, something that has to be addressed, and uh, I think he's a good quarterback. He's young. It's like anybody else. Not everyone is going to step into something and have instant success. You build on it, you work at it, and you work for a goal, and that goal is to score touchdowns, win games, and get to a Super Bowl and win it one day, you know. And they're accustomed to that in Denver. I mean, it's been a while, but, you know, when you think of Super Bowl teams, I mean, I was there. I saw those games, and, you know, it was probably one of the greatest things one of the greatest times I ever had was to be sitting at that AFC championship game between the Jets and the Broncos, and I'm saying to myself, wow, I first and foremost, I, the Jets were winning a halftime 10-0, and I was scratching my head going, I can't believe this is happening because this team is loaded. And then, you know, they came back and they put their foot down and off they went to the Super Bowl and then, you know, laid, laid Atlanta out, like you said. But mm-hmm. – uh, the draft and the offseason and the draft is going to be a real, uh, real interesting, uh, real interesting time for a lot of teams, especially Denver. Well, and full disclosure, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but as much as I, I mean, of course, I bleed orange and blue, but I am a huge Vikings fan as well. And yeah, I did know because remember, we've in our travels, we've met. We, yes, 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 yes. That's right. Yes. And I, I was, I was, I was bummed at the news that they got rid of Kyle Rudolph. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was in shock. I was, I was in- too. I, I was, I was too. You know, I mean, I think that what's happened there is <clears throat> they turned him into a blocking tight end when he's so much more than that. So maybe this will be a better opportunity for him, obviously, wherever he goes. Um, but I just, I love Kyle as a person. I, I think he's a phenomenal athlete. He's a beast on the field. He knows how to do it all is at his position. So he's going to land somewhere, land somewhere great. But I was, I was pretty bummed to hear that. Yeah, that, he was a hell of an athlete, a good guy. I've gotten to meet him a few times. So, um, but speaking of your Vikings, I'm always, I've, I've been a fan of theirs as well. Yeah. But look, I even went to the NFC Championship game when they played in New Orleans, which. They should have won. Remember, Brett, in New Orleans, they should have won. They should have won. Of course they should have won. 
You're talking about Bounty Gate, right? Yeah. And yeah, uh, of course they should have won. And I'm like, that drive from, and I had to drive from there to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. But that drive, the whole time I'm going, they had them. They had them. And they blew it. But, uh, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. So I am. I, I have, as we're talking, another memory came up when we think about just memories and everything that you and I have experienced and gone through together in our 20 plus years of friendship. But to me, I will never forget when you were in Denver for the Monday night game, the Giants and the Broncos. And, and it was, and 9-11 happened and it was also coincidentally your birthday. And we went to the Palm. Your birthday's not on 9-11, but you're, but you couldn't get home yeah. so you're stuck in Denver for your birthday. And we went to the Palm and had dinner. Yep. I remember. I, I just will never forget, um, you know, you being a New Yorker and having friends and people that you couldn't reach and, you know, the emotion, the concern, the, the fear, um, the uncertainty, the, the shock. I mean, all of it was, it, it, I, I can see it so clearly just kind of sitting with you at dinner at the Palm. And listen, we loved the Palm in yeah. it was great. But having, having to watch you, you know, make phone calls and try to reach people and not knowing where certain people were, it was really. Yeah, that was different. I was, yeah, and it was devastating for me to see for you. And I still to this day can look back on that moment with such empathy for for you and for every New Yorker, for anyone. I mean, we were all touched obviously by it, but it's a different it's a different situation for for you uh, as opposed to me who grew up in Colorado and didn't really have a lot of connection to New Yorkers at the time, except for you, you know? I mean, at that point yeah. What do you remember about that, about that whole stretch, well, that game? I, well, you know what? The, that game, obviously, the Giants took a pounding, and uh, and then, you know. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Then, uh, then, obviously, you know, I woke up the next morning. You remember Mike Newcomb was my roommate. And he had to get back to New York on like a 6 a.m. That's because he was working at the NFL at the time. And I took like a later flight. I actually was staying the extra day. So I'm in the hotel room sleeping, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and it's Mike calling me from the airport saying, hey, man, uh, don't check out of that room. We're going to need it. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not checking out till tomorrow. He goes, no, we're going to need it probably the whole week. He goes, turn on the TV. Then I turn on the TV and I'm watching planes run into the towers, you know, and I'm like, so uh, I remember, and I didn't get out of there until Thursday night. Yeah, you were in Denver for a while, for a week. I remember I, uh, we went to watch (laughs) Anita Baker in concert on my birthday with, uh, I can't think of his name. With Mike and obviously he used to work for the Broncos. Um, I couldn't, I can't think of his name, but he uh, he said, "Come on, Big Daddy, I know it's your birthday, and, and I don't know if this is consolation or not, but uh, we're gonna go to Anita Baker concert." <laughs> Listen, there is nothing wrong with Anita Baker. No, I love Anita Baker, but 
you know, go to Nina Baker. I wasn't going to think I was, I wasn't, I didn't envision going with my roommate <laughs> you know? right. and uh, two other guys. So I was kind of like, all right, let's go. Something to do. But um, you should anyway. have called me big daddy. I would have been right there with you. I know you would have. I don't know what, what the slip up was there, but uh, that's all right. Uh, well, listen, you know what? We went to Super Bowl together. I got to remember that. Remember, we went to the one in uh, Pittsburgh, Arizona. Mm -mm. Wait. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Arizona. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. In Tampa. In Tampa. We did that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking about football, who do you think is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL? That's a good question. Uh, we could come back to that if you want to think about it. Yeah, I do want to think about it. I mean, I think that I think that we're in such an, uh, um, a transitional kind of period with quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, I mean, we've got these young upcoming guys that are really showing a lot of promise in the way that they that they play the game just overall. But I don't know that anyone is underrated um and then you know you've got tom brady who he's not even you know he <laughs> you, know, you know but underrated that's you know it's like these guys like kyler murray and these younger guys like they're so phenomenal they're not underrated you know i Gosh, that's you've you've like stumped me on that one because I actually don't think that there is someone, and maybe it's just because I chase two and a half year old twin boys around yes. all all day long, and so my brain since since the Super Bowl kind of finished, I haven't really gone down the rabbit hole of the NFL lately, um, other than the major headlines. It's a good question. Come back to me. Although I'd be curious if you gave me. A, like give name off three or four and let me pick from that maybe three or, who do you think is the most underrated let me see if i even agree with you i'll probably disagree uh, you'll probably disagree with me and uh i'm not being biased but i think daniel jones is underrated okay i, yeah. really, I think he uh you know and i uh, Again, uh, someone will say, "Oh, he's just blue, big blue, blue, bleeding blue," and and that's not really it. I'll, I'll tell you another guy that I I feel is underrated and getting a bad rap right now is Sam Darnold. I think the Jets should keep him. I think <laughs> with the new staff that's there and a the new uh, offensive coordinator, I believe that Sam and and you got to get pieces around him as well. You know. Uh, he could be a great quarterback. I really do. I'm a fan of his. I think he's underrated. I think both the New York quarterbacks are underrated. Um, so I would go, since we're playing homers right now, I, I think Drew Locke is maybe underrated mm -hmm. uh, again, but he needs a solid offensive line around him. And, and until you have a solid offensive line around you, I don't know that it's really fair to call. I, is that the right argument? Is he underrated until he has – He's got to have the right pieces in place. So I, so okay. Now I'm going to rank them. I think Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, and Sam Darnold. I don't think Sam Darnold is that underrated. Well, I think he. Uh, 
Of the three, for sure. Yeah. I don't, you know. Would you agree with my rankings with those three? Yeah, I would agree with those rankings. Okay. I would agree. So, uh, so see, you answered that question. That was uh, pretty simple. All right, there you go. You had to help me out a little bit. I had to really think oh, about it. Hey, listen, that's what friends do. But uh, That's right. That's what friends are for, Dion Warwick. That's right. So, uh, okay, like, you know what? Since we were talking about highlights of our relationship, I think one of the greatest highlights of all time was when I was able to attend your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that, first and foremost, I have to say, I never drank so much tequila in my life in five days of being there. God and, bless it. And uh, it was great, and you know, I uh, Joe's awesome, and just for all the fans and uh, you know the viewers and listeners, you know, you married Joe Buck, and uh, Joe, you know, we become friends through you, and uh, and it's funny, I'll, you know, not this year, of course, but obviously, I'll show up at a game, and he's like, "Hey, Big Daddy, what are you doing here?" You know, and I would walk in the booth and hang out with him and Troy for a quick minute. And then I think uh, one of the fun times that I had was delivering <laughs> delivering the pizza to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Remember at the game, I'm like, of course, trying to security's like that has to be screened. And I'm, I'm like, look, I ain't trying to go up there. I'm just trying to deliver it. And then finally, you were able to get the guy to come down. Oh my gosh. Well, I think that's something I can't think about you without thinking about and finding a direct correlation and kind of, you know, real hands together bonded friendship, Big Daddy and Umberto's. They just go hand in hand. I, I, I've never in my life met someone who has had such fondness and great appreciation and loyalty to a restaurant, to a chef, to a family, to, um, I, I, I mean, it, it actually blows me away. And by the way, it doesn't disappoint. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Hey, listen, you had him on NFL Network. I know. We did a whole piece on it. It was so great. So, uh, you know, they owe you for that one. But uh, all the right. The wedding was fun, I will say. The wedding was so great. Uh, it was for those. So we did. Let's just let's just break down the weekend. So everybody flew in and we had a welcome party where all the guests had to, you know, wear white or cream like sandy beach colors. And Joe and I wore actual primary bright colors, not primary. He wore kind of a salmon colored something. And I wore an ombre dress, a blue kind of ocean toned ombre dress just for pictures. It was actually really cool. That was Thursday, Friday, free day for all the guests. And we did our rehearsal dinner, et cetera. Saturday was the wedding, which do you remember? We had to push the wedding back because it was so hot. People were, we had to start it later because it was so damn hot outside. I don't even know if you're, you were probably too many tequilas in to even remember that. I was in that pool with, I had the bar in there. Uh. And I didn't leave. And the funniest thing was, I also had the uh, the membership to use the club up in the hotel. So I was dragging like everybody up there. I'm like, oh, don't worry, I got the key. And up there was like a case of Corona. I mean, every five minutes they were bringing Coronas in, and we're like, 
we were we we tipped the guy in American money. We're like, look, just keep this full, and also make sure there's plenty of guacamole and hummus. That's and right. So, and, uh, That's and so uh, yeah, that was uh, I had to dry out from that, <laughs> those five days that I was there. But uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for letting me be, be a part of that day, uh, that whole week. And it was a ton of fun. So, uh, you know, hey, look, I'm uh, with the Bucks hanging out in Mexico. <laughs> I just remember, you know, our wedding was on the beach overlooking um, the ocean. And our reception, they had, we got married at a place called El Dorado, which is where Joe and I have a place. Yeah. They mm-hmm. dug out a reception area in the sand and a stage where the band played. That was incredible. That was And incredible. we danced and partied all night long. And I think by the end of, I don't know if you were still there, Big Daddy, but by 2 a.m., we were we were all dancing on top of tables and chairs with bottles of champagne. And by the end of it, let's call it 3 a.m., an hour, like a power hour of just dancing and pounding, you know, champagne. And all the tables were broken. All the chairs had lost a leg. I had, I seen, uh, I, uh, I stayed late. So I'm, uh, I can uh, attest to uh, the wonderful evening and the food. And I drank too much to eat. So uh, I was hungry right. when I got back to the hotel. But uh, it was great. And, uh, and, and I got to meet some incredible people too, you know. So it was fun. And again, thank you. Seven so, years ago this April. Seven years ago this April. Wow. Wow. That was a, a festive memory. It's so fine. I got two questions left. Yes, sir. Okay, so ready. This one's a funny one. Besides Joe Buck, who's your favorite sportscaster? Sports broadcaster. Are we talking about play-by-play guy, or are you giving me a, a broader net to cast? Uh, play-by-play. Let's go. With, let's go with. Uh, let's go with play-by-play. Okay, right. play-by-play on a national level. Yep. I'm gonna go with Al Michaels. I I love Al. Um, he's tried and true. I grew up listening to him. I adore him as a person. Uh, he's kind of steady Eddie. I'm I'm gonna go out. Oh wow, that's a that's a good. He's definitely legit. Good one, definitely. Who would you have said? Uh, without picking Joe. Uh, right. I'm, I've always been John Madden. Mm. You know, no. Sure. Better yet, let's just pick a team. I would say. Uh, Madden and Summerall, I don't think anyone's better. I mean, they are just synonymous with football, with playoffs, with Super Bowls. I mean, that would be my my choice, first choice, without being biased and picking Joe and Troy. But, uh, you know, that's those would be my two. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're spot on on that for sure. I was a little too young to really appreciate them, but from watching enough, you know, YouTube videos, I can attest that I, I would agree to that. I, I will say though, in the modern era, in our current kind of play-by-play realm that we're dealing with, I think that Joe and Troy come across like they're just buddies in a booth, hanging out, you know, just kind of 
calling a game. Like you, I picture them just sitting and having a drink and just calling a game. You know, it's not too, it's not too stiff. It's not too, um, it's not too regimented. You know, they, they just float. They've got a really good chemistry. Those two. Yeah, they do. They do. They do. They've worked on it, but I think that it's at its peak. I think they're really great together. So tell us real quick about Joe's show, the one he's doing uh, where he has all these dads on. Oh, his podcast, Daddy Issues, that he does with um, his very good friend. Also, I mean, our very good friend, but Oliver Hudson, who is an actor whose sister is kind of famous, Kate Hudson. Um, but they do this great podcast. And if you listen to it, because I think there is a misconception or a stereotypical vibe about who Joe Buck is, you know, the real Joe, Joe is, is quick witted. He is brilliantly, um, smart and intellectually stimulating in the best possible way. Cause he will give you shit and he is self-deprecating and Oliver is exactly the same way. And these two are, two peas in a pod. I mean, they are so great together. And I don't know that they, I I think that Daddy Issues is a brilliant name for their podcast because they both have different daddy issues. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's, it's funny. It's smart. They've got great guests. Their timing, I think is really perfect. Their cadence is great. So I'm proud of them. They've been at it for, oh gosh, I don't know, almost a year, I think. And speaking of podcast, Big Daddy, yours truly will be launching one with you. You know who my co-host is. She is. Let's see if you can if you can uh, if you can guess. I'll give you clues. She has been the morning co-host, like co-host of the number one morning show on. Denver Radio, Classic Radio, 103.5 The Fox. She was a producer and now she's the co-host, but she's been with that show for 20 years, 20 plus years. Um, She was very good friends with Fatima, still is. We're all very close friends. Kathy Lee? There you go. Come on. Lee and I are launching a podcast, um, title still pending, but we're working through that. Because she's on the iHeartMedia platform, it will probably live there. And I think it's going to have a lot to do with being career women, um, having kids, juggling and finding that balancing act, marriage, kids, career. Uh, We've both gone through IVF. We've got, you know, and we also have a Rolodex that is pretty, um, which is pretty different, you know, I mean, but different. She's got musicians and comedians. I've got more sports kind of oriented and, you know, guests. But we'll, we're going to give it a shot because why wouldn't we? Everyone's doing it. Why yeah, not well, Hey, look. Right? You're doing it. I'm look, loving it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Well, I don't know about that. You're pretty special. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you that you may not know. Okay. Here's, here's something out of left field for you. I am an ambassador for a women's empowerment group. Really? Yes. The name of the group is called the Share Group. And uh, its founder, uh, her name is Angelica Steen Olson, is a dear friend of mine for over 10 years. And um, 
I'll just leave it at that for now, but you're going to see more and more things come up in relation to that. And uh, if you go on my uh, Instagram, you'll see in my stories or posts, I, you know, I usually wear a share hat. Uh, Michael Strahan took the last one, so I don't have one. But uh, greedy bastard. Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, he's a lot more famous than me, so we'll let him wear it. Uh, By the way, you have to give him my love next time you talk to him. Oh, I will for sure. I will for sure. Um, so that's something that uh, I got involved with. And, uh, you know, look, at the end of the day, men need to support women. Women are always supporting men, but it has to come back the other way. And, you know, when you just give, 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 and don't, or when you just take, 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 and don't give, you know, people realize that, you know, and it's important to look, your, uh, your significant other, your, your, your wife, your husband, it's a team thing. So uh, even if you're not married to the person, you have to have their back, you know, and I know you know this better than anyone. That's why I think you'd be a great candidate to speak to those women. Would love to. Uh, I'm in. Sign me up, whatever you need. I would love to. <laughs> I will make an introduction via text message, and Wait. and you can uh, work all that out. But uh, that's what else I got. That's the other thing that I had going on that I kind of left to the la- for the last uh, moment of this uh, incredible interview that we're having. But now I'm done talking. So now here's your opportunity to ask me a question. Like, Ooh, this is this is the only part that really matters during these interviews. Okay, I'm bracing myself right I, now. I, so I, I haven't prepared for this, but I'd like to do a little rapid fire, and then I want to ask you maybe you know one or two uh, questions on the back end of it. So, okay, here are you ready? Are you in? Deal or no deal? Okay, here we go. I'm not giving you a chance to say no. Here we go. <laughs> Favorite place to vacation. Alaska. Why? Every time I went up there, I had the time of my life in regards to the fresh air, eating salmon fresh out of the river, um, just being in a place that was hard to get phone calls and make phone calls and emails and all that. So I, I and I'm a, I'm fond of the wilderness, and I definitely enjoyed uh, being up there. I've been up there seven times. Yeah, you can you can truly unplug, which you need to do when you go on vacation. Yeah. By the way, I know. Um, one place one place in the world that you've never been that you were dying to go to. Italy. Why? Because there's so much history there. I want to go and uh, I want to see the Vatican. I want to see the Colosseum. I want to go taste fresh wine. I want to eat food over there. Uh, I just. I, I haven't been, and I plan to go soon. Okay, good. Can I join you on that trip? Joe and I will meet you there. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, dream date. Who is your celebrity crush? Who would you love to go on a date with? Anyone that you could, from a celebrity standpoint. Wow, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um <laughs> Uh, I got to come back to that one. Let me think. About come it. back. Well, who's the first person that came to your mind? Uh, I don't know. All right, we'll come back. We'll yeah, come let's, back. let's come back to that one. All right, we'll come back. I've known you for twenty plus years. You are 
I've always admired your hustle. There's not one time that I've been around you where you haven't been doing something from an entrepreneurial standpoint to better yourself, to better your family, to better your friends. I've admired that about you for so many years. I don't know that I've properly told you how much I respect that and how much that actually helped me. I mean, seeing that kind of drive in someone, a man, woman, it doesn't matter, but a person that truly just sees that anything is possible. You have, you have done that. And I've, I've seen so much over these 20 plus years that you've accomplished. What is, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What is big daddy doing? Um, well, big daddy is doing more of this, these podcasts and also uh, doing some TV work uh, with a sports business show that uh, we're in the works on, putting out there and i think what will help with the show is my access you know the the uh, ability to get to people like yourself you know joe troy or anybody you know what i mean because i have the relationships i know i've been there so i know when to push and when not to and and i know people are have a soft spot and have a hard spot so i know what the middle is so that's you know, between that and uh, I've got a couple other business ventures that I'm involved with, and those are the things that, excuse me, I see myself in the next five years really concentrating and focusing on. And also, uh, you know, my insurance business is still there, and uh, you know, I'm actually I had to write two policies today on kids that are coming out of college for next year. So. Uh, you know, those are the things, and uh, and travel a little bit. Try to enjoy, you know, because I haven't. Uh, every time I've traveled, it's been for work. You know, it's not. It's never been for you know. Hey, let me. Uh, well, no. When I went to your wedding, that was sick. I was there five days, and that wasn't work. That was fun. Uh, but you know, I gotta. I I have to take a a slower. Uh, enjoy my time. You know, do something for me. Please tell me that's not the last time that you took a vacation for yourself seven years ago at our wedding. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I've been away. <laughs> I've been away. Scary. Uh, big daddy. No, uh, no, no. I'm getting away. And, uh, and with these new opportunities that I have coming up uh, with businesses and with TV, um, I'm, that, that'll keep me busy. And, and it's something to look forward to. You know, I'm excited about it. All right, last question. Your number one key to success is what? Communication and being in front of people. So it's a twofold. I think uh, people ask me all the time, how did you get from where I'm at? Oh, where you began to where you're at. And I think you know this better than anybody. I've been everywhere. I've been in front of, you name it, I've been in front of people and that's why, you know, I have the relationships with you guys. I have, you know, I can get to Roger Goodell. I can get to this one, that one, and and business people all over the country because I'm respectful and I, and I believe that when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And if I can't do something, I'll either find somehow, some way, or someone to help me get something done. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. You want to go back to the dating question? 
Okay, yes, since you are re reminding me. Mm -hmm. And I know somebody else I would answer this same person too, but I'm not going to mention his name. But I would say it would be Selma Hyatt. Oh, yes. Is it me that would answer that question? Because I would sign up for that too. Well, look, sexy, smart, beautiful. What else do you need? Amen. Drop the mic. Way to end this. <laughs> Way to end this episode of Big Daddy and Friends. Sexy, smart, and beautiful. What else do you need? I don't know. Nothing. Exactly, exactly. Well, hey, Michelle, listen, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining me with this uh, on this special program, special interview, I'll say. And, uh, and again, uh, tell the boys, I hope they enjoyed their nap. Look at that. They're still sleeping. They are still sleeping. Well, I, I said, I, we should have planned. wanted us to have some quality time. No, well, we needed. We haven't had it in a while. So, uh, and again, send Joe my best. Uh, I have to work. I got to get Joe on here. You, you do. We need yeah. to get Joe on. Yes. Uh, remind him that I'll be hounding him next week. Okay. See, <laughs> see, <laughs> see if he can if he could squeeze me in his, uh, his tight schedule and he could have me on daddy issues because, Hey, look, I daddy. Hey, not even that. I babysit his daughter every Thursday night when we're at the Fox. I know. She's like, I text her. I'm like, Hey, Nat, big daddy. The Umberto's is on the way. <laughs> she, she'll like write me back. Oh my God. I didn't eat lunch today. Cause you know, whatever. But, uh, we uh, or she'll send a smiley face. Although uh, off right offline, I'm going to share with you something that I'm working on for Thursday nights. So and okay. uh, when we uh, finish here, I'll uh, talk to you for a minute. All right, good. But uh, hey, to all the listeners, viewers, and fans, Michelle, tell everyone where they could find you. Give out your social media. Yeah, you can find any of my features on ESPN.com. Uh, again, uh, as long as everything stays the same and is, is good to go for next season, I will have features that will continue to air on Monday Night Countdown, 6 to 8 Eastern, every single Monday night on ESPN. My social media, Michelle Beisner Buck, or I think you can find me Michelle Buck on Instagram or Twitter. You know, we still have to do our feature. I know. I know. We've tried this. We tried it last, no, two years ago we tried it. Mm -hmm. We need to revisit that for this next season. Absolutely. You know, I'm, okay. and that'll be great. So uh, once again, everybody, Michelle Beisner Buck on Big Daddy and Friends. You're the Big Daddy. I love you and uh, keep doing your thing. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely.